0: But I hate when I feel like this
1: And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. If you're listening to this right now, you're listening to us too on the internet. Fuck the internet. I'm here with my good friend Bobby today. How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing well. How about
0: you, Cody? Do you know why I said fuck the internet, Bobby? Uh, no, but I just kind of figured you were going to monologue for a bit.
1: Yeah, I decided that I'm not going to do that because um, I'm actually wanted to have this conversation today a little bit different than the usual ones we have because you usually come on the show and what I do is say, um a gross mischaracterization of yourself.
0: Yes, I'm neurotypical as fuck. Wow! And so I don't That's have anything. Like <laughs> I don't have anything actually serious to talk about, uh, for the most part. So we usually just come on and fuck around. But today, um, we're friends. We met through the internet, and we both spend probably too much time on the internet and. As such, we get extremely frustrated with stuff on the internet. And that was an idea that you wanted to talk about.
1: Exactly. And that's what I was going to do in my monologue before I threw Bobby for a loop there. I wanted to spice it up a little bit. But yes, essentially, Bobby and I would be the kind of people you would consider to be too online, air quote, air quote. Um, And we also are in this community on Twitter where we get angry at people we don't even really know or mad at people we do know because they're not operating some rules that we think Twitter should constant stupid battle within our heads but recently i was watching the show silicon valley and while i was watching silicon valley they in a later season get to this idea of a decentralized internet and what they're trying to say is take the internet away from the providers such as a google amazon and such as those and give it to the users themselves you know it's what they're calling a decentralized internet all the data lives with the users so no one person has all that power um but what I was thinking about was they were trying to talk about this internet like it could be this beautiful new thing. What the internet always should have been. This beautiful, customizable, central, but at the same time separate, you know, with the users. And I sat with that idea for a few days and I thought to myself, what the fuck do I want the internet to be? Because right now it's already controlling every element of my life, but I don't like it. So I wanted to bring Bobby on the podcast because even though we usually fuck around, he and I, although we have this disagreements from time to time we for the most part think very similar ways and have very similar interactions with the internet and with certain news such as twitter playing around with their own likes and retweets which we feed off of and live off of please do not stop liking and retweeting us we will die
0: retweet this episode
1: retweet this episode and all just like in general just looking through our own group chat and realize how much of our stuff is just centered around things that are from some other left field of the internet, and we just care about it so much. So, Bobby, talk to me a little bit about how many places you touch the internet, not just in the sense of, like, you have a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but you have multiple different, you know, blogs and other things that you like to do. So, talk to me about your relationship with the internet a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, I basically spend my entire day on the internet, whether it's um, using the internet for our group chat, whether it's uh, on Twitter, which is where... I get most of my news and most of the things that I laugh at. So most of the things that make me angry and most of the things that make me smile. Um, and then if I have downtime at work, I'm either um, reading something on a website like The Ringer or something like that uh, to pass the time. Or I'm on like a Amazon Kindle reader, like through a web browser. So And then, I mean, obviously also a lot of the work that we do um, at our jobs is on the internet. So you, there's really no separating yourself from it unless you kind of want to live an entirely different life that's unrecognizable to the one that you, or I mean, the one that I, the one that you, the one that any of the listeners currently leads.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not too surprising or special to say I picked up slang from the internet. But I feel like even the way I talk now and form ideas, there is this kind of pause of, how can I shape it for the internet world, especially with Twitter, where you're writing things that you, you know, I mean, the whole idea of Twitter is not so much just posting my day to day. It's pandering and hoping that people will tell me I'm good at something. So when I think of, you know, how I interact with my life, now I'm doing podcasting and streaming and, you know, I, the old dream of stand up and that's just standing in front of people. But, you know, I have a different voice and different message in each one of those things I do. And then, got just a general Twitter presence. I do have our group chat, friendships, like stuff like that. Then you have Facebook where I just tell my family members that they're wrong about Trump and other shit like that. Like there's a different layer to each one of those. But at the end of the day, I am a completely internet person, something that pisses me off so much. And then when somebody says decentralized internet, is what's the internet supposed to be. I don't really know what that even is. Is that even different? I mean, when you talk about a decentralized internet, I know that's kind of a fantasy idea from a show and some, you know, nerd out of listening could send me an article like this is what it would be to be great, but like I I think the internet is such a terrible place, but at the same time, I don't think it can get better. I think it's just a you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, Bobby. It's just a reflection of society. And if I wanted to say what do I want the internet to be, I would just describe things I want in my own life on an online forum, essentially.
0: Exactly. When you say a decentralized internet from Silicon Valley, when I think decentralized, I generally think about something like Bitcoin, um, which is less about taking things out of the hands of corporations like Twitter or Google or Snap or Facebook or something like that, uh, and more about taking the power of you know spending and creating money away from a government. Um, But the decentralized internet, as you describe it, taking away from those corporations and things and putting it in the hands of the users, the corporations, um, as far as content creation or moderation or things like that, they can exacerbate the problems like um, Twitter, you know, lets Nazis run rampant for the most part outside of a couple... Um, specific people like Milo Yanniopoulos or Alex Jones, people like that. Wow, I can't believe you pronounced that name right. Alex Jones. That's a hard one. I know. He usually is screaming it and red right in the face, but uh, I don't speak that language necessarily, so I'm going to anglicize it a little bit. Um, but, so what I'm saying is they, they have their failings of design or of moderation, um, but The issue is the people that are using it, the people that some mythical decentralized internet would be returning the power to. And one of the problems um, I think with the internet is like you were saying, it's not necessarily a problem of the internet or the structure as much as it is a problem of people and therefore a problem of preference. So when me or you get upset because say Spotify took an extra week and a half to kick InfoWars off its platform um, with their podcasts and things like that. There's a whole other contingent, not even of InfoWars psychos, but of your libertarians or whatever like that, that think that it is better for a business to just allow free speech the way that a government has to allow free speech as a business model and for society. So we may say we don't want them to have that platform to talk to people where they may be able to find some disenfranchised or vulnerable minds to convert to their insane way of thinking. But the opposite side of that coin may be someone saying letting them get that exposure is giving themselves enough rope to hang themselves by. And it's making them look ridiculous and platform themselves with their ideas and the way that they act and think.
1: Well, and that's part of, you know, what they were talking about in Silicon Valley, where they're like, well, you know, there's no censorship, it's open, it's supposed to be. Here's what I think is actually going to happen if something like this were to ever to come and be. The internet would be new, open, reset, and then it would become the exact same thing it is right now. And part of the reason why that is, is because if you look at psychology, which I don't want to get too into because I don't actually know what I'm talking about, I just have this podcast with about depression, um is that, like, if there ever was like a nuclear scenario, like an apocalypse zombie scenario. Nuclear. Nuclear. It's pronounced nuclear. Um, There wouldn't be... Shut the fuck up. up. There wouldn't be these factions, like, if you watch a show like, um, like uh, The Walking Dead, where these, like, rival factions, and then, you know, when you feel safe, you could be upended at any time, and, like, you know, people will go to their most savage in these desperate situations. Psychologists actually study this and they've been able to simulate that society would literally just rebuild itself into what it is. And it's put such into my mind that we are just hardwired to operate one way that the internet would just do the same thing. I think the internet has already done that. Where the internet is only different from society is anonymous and doesn't tie to anything physical. Now, obviously, there's ramifications if things on the internet meet your physical life still could happen, but the only thing the internet allows us to do is stretch a little bit more into who we are without really saying who we are. And that's one thing that, you know, we keep getting upset about is we interact with people on the internet and then somebody will tell us, well, they're a great person in real life and we get so (laughs) incest because we know, like... The way I act on the internet, even though my most ridiculous, that's still somewhat in the range of who I am. So when I see an asshole on the internet, I think, you're an asshole in real life too. And then people are like, no, he's a real great guy in real life. Then he shouldn't be an asshole on the internet.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a failure of empathy, I think, um, that causes a lot of people to act that way on the internet. Um, I wouldn't say that we're immune to that. I'm sure that we're assholes no. to people. Oh, I'm a complete asshole. If we find some kind of... Someone that is obsessed with the Iraqi dinar being revalued and they're like a QAnon conspiracy nut. Like, we're definitely dickheads to them. I doubt that you could say that we treat them like we see them as a person.
1: And I would just say, like, I'm an asshole. But I think more people need to just accept that if I'm an asshole in line, I'm an asshole in real life. Because I believe it's true. Now, you and I have been arguing lately because you're like, well, no, you're not a bad person because of things. I'm just going to always assume I'm a bad person so that doesn't really help us here that's part of the reason why this is Neurotica Listen to the podcast right now um like and subscribe like and subscribe and retweet and share um but at the same time I just find it really hard to believe that you could disconnect to a certain degree I know people have done some really weird things like posing as different genders races um you know (laughs) people posing as animals to some degree um but at the same time, like some party lives in that. And that's why I think when you say decentralized internet, I think you're just resetting the process a little bit to just get back to the exact same place. And it's kind of the power of the crowds. I think it was somebody even said, you know, when you watch a show like um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And they ask the crowd. The reason, you know, why you do that is well, I have no fucking clue. Let me see what people say. But people don't realize also there's a kind of a phenomenon called um, power of the crowd where crowds will actually for the most part when it comes to just factual information will make the right decision like the majority of the crowd will have the right answer and I guess it's just some kind of amalgamation of the knowledge must have been spread enough through society now obviously that doesn't necessarily apply the same when you talk about okay people are gonna make the right decisions when it comes to civil rights or something like that we know that's not true but I do think we're still hardwired somewhat in the internet age because I mean there's no really been time to even evolve in the internet even though the internet's evolved we still I feel like you know go to it in a very primal way and we'll continue to do that primalness forever
0: right and we
1: sorry no take your time it's a it's it's such a weird thing cuz like I wanted to talk about this because it wraps up my entire life but I didn't want it to be old hat either and I think it's hard to put into words you know to even criticize or compare and contrast something that is us like if you told me to log off I say fuck you I will never log off but then you ask me what has Twitter done for you I will say ruin my life and that's not true I met you as a friend I met many friends it's actually been one of the greatest tools in my life
0: but there's such a
1: dichotomy you're one of the greatest
0: tools in my life dude.
1: Yeah, and I can't wait to um, tool you down later. But that's not, you know, it doesn't help enough though because it's just such extremes. You know, it's like the extremes of I have met my best friends on the internet and then the extremes of I go to the internet and some 12-year-old calls me a slur that I've deemed not to be worthy to say ever again because the internet taught me people are getting offended by it and it's wrong. And it's just these goods and bads that keep bouncing off the ends of my head until I'm like am I making a positive impact by being on the internet or is by being on the internet just inherently the worst thing you could ever do with your life?
0: Yeah. So I think that there is a, an aspect of maybe a sort of addiction um, or, and at least an inertia of how would I spend my time if I wasn't always on Twitter, always reading articles, things like that, that helps keep us, you know, connected to the internet. But I think that ultimately, if we didn't think that it was ultimately a, a good force in our lives, we would not spend as much time on it as we do. Um, like you said um, about the maybe a 12-year-old calling you a slur that you have decided not to say, I think that the internet has hopefully made us more empathetic people. I'd shudder to think about where I, a 28-year-old who went to a private high school and used to be a huge fan of Barstool... What my thoughts and opinions would be right now if it were not for Twitter exposing me to the thoughts, opinions, and experiences of Black people, of women, of trans people, of gay people, of immigrants, things like that. I don't know who I would be. I do not think I would like that person very much. Um. I also have no idea what my sense of humor would be, because like I said earlier in the episode, a lot of my sense of humor has been completely shaped, um, you know, if not airlifted and like wholesale into my brain by the Internet. And I thoroughly enjoy that sense of humor, obviously, even if maybe some other people don't. So I I do think that it is ultimately a force for good. I just think that that makes the Alex Joneses and the people that think like him um, either because of him or through getting there like on a parallel path. That makes that more glaring and the fact that we think so differently from him and think that he is so harmful. That makes it stick out like a sore thumb and makes us more upset than we would be if we either didn't know it it existed or if we hadn't had our... Thoughts and opinions shaped in the way that we had before we came upon him. Well, and that, I think that's the funny thing to me
1: is that when I go on the internet now, I think to myself, legitimately, how could he be a moderate? How could he be a centralist? Like, libertarian, I know Bobby hasn't passed in it, but at some point, I get it. You know, at some point, you might just want to throw your hands in the air and go, fuck it. Like, just everybody do whatever the fuck they want. But, like, to be a moderate, It's crazy to me because I feel like when you get to the internet, every bit of you is being pulled to one extreme or the other. So that's where I'm scared of the internet is how much of the alt-right movement and white supremacy has been growing through the internet. But to your point, you know, me and you have become voices now. Like we are not afraid to tell people when they say those slurs, you're an idiot. But I guess I do get like I get in that cycle. You know, I I feel a little bit self-righteous, so I feel bad about that. But even those moments where I know like deep down I'm right this person is being racist or you know sexist something that's just so clearly wrong and everybody can see it but the person I do get that kind of I'm banging my head against this wall and I think I saw a tweet from you recently that was kind of like I'd been interacting with somebody and you jumped in but you even kind of like tweeted something at him and then defeated later it was like You're not going to fucking change. Like, I don't even know why I'm bothering with you. You're just another idiot. Like, you didn't say that, but you you basically had this, like, realization of you're not going to do anything differently. But, man, we dunked on you. So, just, like, I – it's a very frustrating thing to think, well, am I really doing anything? But at the end of the day, you dunk on enough chuds, they got to realize they're, like – I hope at some point realize that they're not in the majority – that has not seemed to happen yet, though. That's what scares
0: me. I don't think it does, and it's. I think it's because if they have their own, you know, socio-political, cultural bubble that they're always in... Yeah, they could bounce positive, back to the people. Yeah, they're getting positive feedback the same way that we're getting positive feedback from our friends or the people that think like us, and so what I say to someone that's on the far right or that's just, like, a fucking doofus who's, like, to my way of thinking the wrong or an embarrassing kind of Philadelphia fan or something like that. What I think is like completely owning them or whatever it, they don't see it that way. And so they don't feel owned. And yeah. so what is the incentive for them to change? Like that's one of the good things about Twitter is now you can just fucking mute them because you know that it's just going to spiral. No one's life, no one's mind is going to change, not yours, not theirs. And you just save yourself the time You just mute them fuck fuck out of here this conversation's over and i never have to see you again
1: yeah and i mean obviously there's also the implications of people's lives have been ruined from the internet but sometimes justifiably so right now tucker carlson's in the news and i have to give him credit for being so bold i guess because like he legitimately was brought the evidence of you're the shittiest person ever and he just went get over it which At the same time, I guess we already knew Tucker Carlson was the shittiest person. I I think I kind of relate it to, you know, I I was actually going to pitch you this article, Bobby, and I think it's kind of a funny thing because I think it's so disconnected from the internet that Adam Sandler, I think, is trolling everybody in just this grand irony of, like, he was the class clown and then he ended up selling out. And I think that's just kind of funny because, like, he kind of did exactly what he should have done. And then I've watched movies that he's made where rob schneider is playing a asian character i saw one last night where he was playing a native american character where he was referred to as an indian and i remember thinking oh i wasn't outraged by this and then i remember thinking as well because of the internet no one is outraged because everybody in their head went yeah rob schneider would do that shit he doesn't even vaccinate his own children he's a huge dumbass like whereas you know we talk about like uh Was it Mickey Rooney, who was, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's? He played an Asian character. It's, like, an iconic racist thing. Like, that lives in such a bubble in itself in a time period. But now it's, like, Rob Schneider could play any offensive character, and that doesn't upset me because I was already yelling at Rob Schneider. Like, it it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm any less offended. It's just that I kind of saw it coming. And I just think that's a weird, like, microcosm of all of it.
0: Yeah, Adam Sandler is a really interesting case study in the way that culture has evolved because, obviously probably faster than anything comedy um or a style of comedy or a joke can go out of style and look bad five years later in a way that maybe a drama won't aside from maybe like the artist like that was a stupid fucking movie (laughs) everyone should have known that at the time but you know people people in their mid-20s who are about our age, saw Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison when they were younger, and they were like, this is the funniest shit ever. Yeah. But if we saw it now, we would probably just be like, this is mostly stupid. So he he's interesting in that way because it's such like a juvenile sense of humor that is... The way that that came back into vogue in the late 2000s, early 2010s, was... It was a man-child, but it was like a more raunchy, like Judd Apatow R-rated man-child, not... A man literally acting like a child. More a man in a suspended adolescence. So that is one way that he's a good example of the way culture has changed. The other way is that he came up in the 90s, the maybe just the post-grunge era, when the worst thing that you could do was sell out. Yeah, And he, like you said, has completely sold out. He just probably got $100 million from Netflix to make a bunch of movies that who knows how many fucking people are going to watch, if anyone... Um, all he does is go film on location in Hawaii for two months at a time with, like, all of his friends. make some piece of shit and, like, probably does okay at the box office for whatever fucking reason. I can't understand. It doesn't really matter. But, like you said, that's exactly what he should have done. Not only for himself, but because now everyone on the internet is selling out. Lori Lachlan and, um, what's her name? Yeah. yeah. Philip Seymour Huffman. <laughs> Philip Seymour Huffman. We're just in the news the other day for paying a bunch of money to scam their kids into college without their kids knowing they're being scammed into college. Um, Lori Loughlin's daughter is like a makeup YouTuber. She didn't need to go to college. She All she had to do was sell out her personality because she's like a young, kind of good-looking girl who's, I guess, good at makeup. Like, it's all... Selling out is all anyone is trying to... You would fucking sell out in a second.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's the thing though. It's like, I want to sell out my way, but at the same time, I still want to sell out. And it's like, you try to tweak it, but that was, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that today where like, I'll get angry when a Logan Paul is popular or some other guy on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you know, some of the people that are stealing other people's content. I get so mad, but like, I also believe the market is efficient. So if I say that person is so like lacking talent and then like, me holding myself to this artistic standard, but they have the views and they have the sponsors, like, they hit something that I did not hit. So I cannot really be mad at them. I can only be bitter and jealous at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, the market's efficient. I just don't think that the, That I just don't think that the thing that the Martian, the market is efficient in finding is good shit.
1: Yeah, and I'll agree with that. I mean, that's it's, that's what mar- makes pop music pop music and, you know, the underground stuff that, you connect to like I think you know the the common term when you talk about an album and it's not a pop song or a hit single it's called a deep cut but I guarantee you 99% of the people you talk to when you talk about their favorite artists they're talking to you about the deep cuts they're not like even if you talk to somebody who's a big Britney Spears fan I guarantee you they're going to talk about a song that you said who what like because you wouldn't think Britney Spears sings it but they're like legitimately you know the biggest fan And I think the market's efficient, but at the same time, it's like, you know, hits are all worth the the same, even if people don't like it the same. And when you talk about like a, a YouTuber or a streamer that's big or people on Twitter that's big, it's, you know, it's all relative to just their rise and they can capitalize on that. There's no good measure in today's internet of how actually talented good you are. Because, you know, you say, well, these people are watching Logan Paul are 15 to 18. Who cares what they think? But the people who are watching Alex Jones are, like, mid-age chuds. And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, us millennials who like uh, this fucking indie music is that isn't popular must be right. And it's like, well, then why the fuck isn't this popular then? If you guys are the majority, like... And I have made fun of you before that. Before I think I really pissed you off that one time. You, you were talking about a band, and I said well, if they're so good, then why the fuck haven't I heard of them? And you were like, any band that Cody hasn't heard of is bad. <laughs> but I was just like, no, I just like... The point being that, you know, it's not to say it isn't good, but if people haven't found it in today's internet, it almost seems that way. You know, even for me, this podcast, like... Tammy heard it earlier, you've heard it before. I'm like, this podcast sucks. You're like, nah, people really enjoy it. I'm like, well, then why are only 90 people listening to that episode? And you're like, they need time. I'm like, well the market and then you're just like shut the fuck up Cody you just stick with it yeah. and that's, that's that's such a like mind melting thing when you're especially a creator on the internet I'll just be blunt that I want attention and that's why I do it you know there is some part of me it's like man it's it's I, this episode has to make it or bust because I've done this long enough people aren't like jiving with it how can I keep saying I have it when the proof's not in the pudding
0: yeah, it's hard if not impossible to talk about things that are popular that you think are bad without sounding bitter or like an old man or something like that. But I do think that the way that um the internet and the algorithms or formulaic stuff has evolved has exacerbated the problem where thi- things that aren't necessarily good but are good at tapping in to something in your brain are the things that become popular like a song re- for example kesha um just she had a her big lawsuit against dr luke who was apparently sexually assaulting her and otherwise emotionally abusing her um and her album that came out after that i think it was called rainbows it didn't sound like her other albums and it wasn't as popular as her other albums and part of that is probably because she didn't have dr luke who's really good at making these polished songs and knowing this is what's supposed to happen now this is what's supposed to happen now this is how this should sound in order to become popular and get played on the radio he, she didn't have that and so while the music was probably more authentic to her, it wasn't made to appeal to people the way that music produced by someone like Dr. Luke or that one guy who wrote like every boy band song or even Ed Sheeran, uh, I guess, uh, as a songwriter. They know the beats to hit, the formula to do. And I think that the internet is the same way. It's It's about getting clicks on articles and um, fuck jerry is popular and the fat jew are popular because they're good at ag- aggregating things that people would think are funny and their skill isn't being funny which is what we as creative people would value their skill is getting a lot of funny shit
1: so that place. people yeah. yeah
0: so that people would then come to it so like barstool sports they've become their own content creators everything like that tons of Podcasts, videos, all kinds of things. But when they started out, they were just like a lot of other bloggers in the late aughts, early twenty tens. They're finding funny stories, putting them all in one place, and trying to put their own funny spin on it. They were aggregators.
1: And I think it's really funny about Barstool that now I have such strong feelings about it, and they always have this pissing contest with Deadspin. I'm a hundred percent not kidding. When I say there was definitely a point in my life where I was aware of Barstool and Deadspin, but could not differentiate them on any level. And now that they they think they're so different, when they're, to me, still somewhat the same, is so funny to me. It's just that Deadspin is trying to be more, um, you know, little bit journalistic. Where Barstool is just trying to be a little bit more like, hey, jump into the fun. But they're both just like these... Two warring groups of, this is how the internet is supposed to work. You know, kind of what we're talking about right now. We, you know, we take our own sides, but it's such an arbitrary fight that, and I'm not kidding if you're a big fan of Deadspin or Barstool. I'm sure, even if you like those things, which I disagree with you, um, have changed your life in any way. If we took Barstool and Deadspin out of the internet tomorrow, nobody would fucking blink you'd be upset, but I can guarantee you not a single thing in your life would ever change because something else is gonna fill the void in sense of they're gonna create their own version of their internet and you're gonna like it. There's something out there for everybody and it and those things go through cycles just themselves. You know, in advertising I learned a term recently that, you know, was pulled from Mad Men but actually we found out in my job is very true is that as soon as you Get a relationship with a client, the clock starts ticking of when you lose that client, and that is more true in advertising than some things. But I think it's also true of the internet that the timing on stages is so much more predictable. Like websites can, like, you know, um, stay through everything that changes. But now the kind of the Amazon model of if you are a you know a retail company. You, you have a ticking clock before you either hit it big or just expand to a lot of other things. It's just I watch the internet now and I go to the same places because I know if I go to this site A, site B, site C, it's going to be all the same thing. But if I go to Twitter, people will tell me the best from site A, the best from site B, the best from site C. And it's funny. I hate a place like Barstool that's doing the same thing. But what the difference is is that Twitter is kind of in a way the decentralized internet where the Barstool is the centralized internet. And the only difference is that users gave credit to other users on Twitter, whereas on Barstool, Barstool took it and said, here's your Barstool content. And really, did they do that much wrong? No, they made money off it. What they did wrong and I disagree with is content that is you know sexist, racist, things of such of that nature. I wanna be very clear, when I look at Barstool's business model of their website, I hate when they steal from content creators, but I don't think they've done anything more ridiculous than any other internet website, like a Deadspin or a BuzzFeed for sure. When you look at just the structure of their website, they haven't done anything different than some of the sites you do love. Where they went wrong was they were a little too college frat boy for me and then pushed those boundaries past what I was comfortable with. And I think Bobby, to some extent, you would probably agree.
0: Yeah, I, I did. I actually wanted to, not to harp on Barstool, but I did want to talk about them when we originally discussed the episode because my relationship with them sort of illustrates the problem with what we're talking about, where you can't legislate the kind of stuff that makes us mad about the internet off the internet because everything changes relative to each other. I used to be a huge Barstool fan. I started blogging like, in earnest, because I wanted to write for Barstool, whatever, seven years ago. Um, I I was, like, way into them, loved their personalities, like, loved the ethos, like, by the common man, for the common man, like, unapologetic, not PC, whatever. And then through life and through what I was talking about earlier with gaining perspective on other things, through Twitter, I've soured on them a lot and they've changed with the times a bit they've made themselves i think less controversial in content no one's making like the famous size six skinny jeans joke from 2011 that always gets brought up when people talk about barstool do you know what i'm talking I about
1: i do not actually know that joke so uh, long, Bobby.
0: It, it was just like in a blog but the uh, presidente Guy said something like, if you're like a girl and you wear size six skinny jeans, like you deserve to be raped.
1: Yeah, and I I don't remember that one specifically, but that was a thing for me where I got really upset when people were trying to push the narrative of there's good guys in Barstool too. Because I remember reading things of, hey, look, it's, it's Big Cat. He's one of the good guys. And then it's the Big Cat podcast where El Presidente comes on and says somebody should be raped and Big Cat's laughing his ass off.
0: No, this was uh, even, like, a couple years ago. Yeah, and I know your incident's not mine, but But, I'm just
1: saying, like, you know, some of the the lingering effects of what, you know, people make the division lines of this person's good, this person is is not bad, but they're still all in the same
0: thing that you have to... Is that when that first happened, I probably, it's not a joke I would have made, but I wouldn't have also made a big deal about it, probably. And then, similar to James Gunn, and his all his stupid jokes or whatever that he made that got him kicked off Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's like those are shitty things to say, but it is a lot easier to say that now when everyone knows like people yeah. people knew at the time there were shitty things to say, and I should have known there are shitty things to say, but I didn't, and a lot fewer people did. And so what I'm what I'm trying to get at is that the way that tastes and what's acceptable evolves i have no i have no problem calling out and saying that shit's bad like they're bad for saying that to me more of the issue is continuing to be unapologetic about it and not admitting that that is fucked up and you shouldn't have said that and saying you know that was who i was then and i've changed and
1: yeah no I, I I'm gonna pick up the torch here because I think that kind of plays into what happened you know a couple months ago where I'm not gonna get into the details of it, but we found somebody at a prominent Philadelphia radio station that had written a lot of things that were homophobic and stuff. People thought I was trying to get the guy fired. What I was trying to get was acknowledgement of hey man, you're sh- you were really shitty and you know it's probably I was had some other edge to it, but at the same time, you know, whether I was trying to get him fired or not, his reaction was to block all of us. He never addressed it. He deleted all the tweets. And that just makes you go, okay, well, is that him saying, hey, I'm a new person and I'm blocking out these idiots who are just trying to rifle out old things? That's very possible. He might be fully in the right and we just, you know, piled on a younger person. But you do want some kind of accountability in the end. I don't necessarily want to say, okay, you said something when you're 18. You should be fired from a job when you're 30. But, you know, it's worth. Am a- I splitting hairs when I say you should st- apologize for views you had in the past? I don't know, but it's kind of also easy to just come out and say I'm not that person then.
0: Yeah, if it comes up, I think it's worth acknowledging uh, what you said and why you have come to the conclusion that you don't agree with that, and you're not that person anymore. And I because, think, I mean, it can hurt you among people that are, you know determined to not like you, but I also think that it can help because it can maybe speak to people that are the same way or educate people that still think the way that you used to think.
1: And I, I honestly, maybe Tucker Carlson took a note out of Barstool. He's like, as long as I lean into it enough, you don't know to call me out. Um, but I do want to really like hit on this one point though. Of we live and die by the moment on the internet. So we're talking about obviously the moments of the past that were, you know, real negatives for people. And, you know, to say even now, though, when you talk about James Gunn, he has legitimate accomplishments on the screen that do not relate to Twitter, but when it comes to a lot of Twitter personalities, we live so moment to moment, the thing that gets you famous going viral just once can get you famous, I think you do have to somewhat live in the world of one moment can take you out as well. And I, I think the example for me that keeps popping up is Jimmy Fallon, I think, right now with his talk show, is one of the worst late-night talk show hosts I've ever seen. He's horrible. (laughs) And you could say, Cody, you're being bitter here, but you have to understand, we all know, everybody who loves him or hates him knows what his formula is. He is not trying to create a good show. He's trying to create moments within his show that one of them will hit and make him go viral. He does not care if his interview with Charlize Theron about stepping out of roles where she was going to be like pretending to be uh somebody she's not or something like that isn't she the one who like recently like was going to play um like an asian woman i could be getting her mixed up with somebody else
0: i'm assuming that you're thinking of scarlett johansson oh, scarlett but, johansson. She, but sorry. then she wouldn't have stepped out
1: yes yeah. <laughs> scarlett johansson sorry he's a charlie <laughs> center one. i actually do really like charlie center but i'm just saying like nobody is going to jimmy fallon for heartfelt moments and he took such a risk having donald trump on because He was like, what if I just get this one moment, you know, he doesn't care about an entire product, he cares about hits, and he'll take his ups with his downs, but on some level you have to respect that, because he's saying, I can stay relevant just enough in my short periods of time. Where I disagree with that is that Jimmy Fallon's a fucking hack, and every time he exists in the world, I do get very angry, and there's nothing I can do about that, and that's a me problem, but... That's just another way in the internet because I don't choose to watch Jimmy Fallon, but Jimmy Fallon comes into my life a lot. And that's another thing that I wanted to talk about is how we rile each other up too. Like we have muted people on Twitter, but we have a group chat where a person comes in and goes, who wants to get angry today? And in the back of my head, I'm saying, no, I don't. But I'm like, I got to know.
0: And I do want to connect what you just said about Jimmy Fallon, and I would throw in, like, James Corden sure. and his carpool karaoke shit like that. Which back becomes to, spin-off shows, too. And I'll, we can just connect that back pretty easily to what we were talking about uh, with algorithms and formulaic stuff um, being designed to become popular. And that's why Imagine Dragons gets to be famous and Sheer Mag doesn't get to be famous, because they know how to make the parts of your brain light up just by like not even putting any passion or creativity into it or anything. Yeah. They just know, they know what they have to do and they do it and it works.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you can, you can look at careers of like Jay-Z and Jay-Z is legitimately good, but after a while he learns the algorithm and I can't even call Jay-Z a sellout. He's just perfecting his craft so many different times. I don't want to listen to any Jay-Z songs ever they are not good to me. Yeah. But I acknowledge that he's really good at what
0: he does. Magna Carta Holy Grail is formulaic, Jay-Z Oh for sure. Absolute most all he, it's just like Vino Basquiat. <laughs> like all he he probably talks about I feel like he talks about Basquiat like every other line on that entire fucking album. Cause he knows that that's what wealth sounds like and it's aspirational.
1: Yeah, but, and I mean, he does it well. I mean, and he even lives it now. He does. Jay-Z does not need to rap for any of us. Jay-Z raps because he's like, I can do this and get it popular. Like, I mean, he... he why wouldn't you? It's good business. I mean, that's what this is for Jay-Z. This isn't inspired music. This is good business. And, I, in,
0: his, and in his defense, um, probably the more important part of that particular album was that he had to deal with Samsung or whatever um, cell phone company it was where the album come preloaded on the phone and they bought enough copies just for that purpose to make him go platinum. So the actual album was less important than the business behind the album in that case. And from what I've heard from people that listen to it, um, 444 or whatever was a legitimately good album. uh, if a little preachy about finances and i I heard that the Carter's album with Beyonce was also very good.
1: Yeah, and I, I even look forward to listening to some of that because I like Beyonce. But I think it's just like in all of this, you know, I, you and I are still going to live and die by the internet. We we know we can't change. And what we want more than anything is just our chance in that kind of sun too. But there still is this part of me. It's like if I can get big, I can do important things. But it can also destroy legacies if you get it wrong. I mean, Kevin Durant, the one of, if not the best player in the NBA right now. He is considered so corny, partly because of what he did, you know, leaving the Thunder to go to Warriors. But every single moment that I've seen anything about him is not about now a cool dunk or a great three-pointer or his play. I've seen probably, even with watching a Sixers game with the Warriors versus Sixers, I've consciously seen Kevin Durant play less than 10 minutes of basketball in last year. I've seen so much about Kevin Durant, though. I would say Kevin Durant is one of the most important people in my life, and I've watched less than 10 minutes of him playing basketball in last year.
0: Yeah, he had the original Burner account scandal um, for the NBA before Brian Colangelo, where he was making Burner Instagram accounts to go and defend himself um, on his own pictures and probably on other people's pictures, too. Um, I think he got caught doing the same thing on Twitter and he also just overexposed himself going on the Bill Simmons podcast. Like he has a bi weekly residency on there. He and and he can't shut his mouth. He's he's not like a cool guy. Like he's an amazing basketball player and a marvel to watch, but he's not a cool guy. I don't know if he knows he's not a cool guy, but all the fact that he is out there getting caught with burners and getting upset online at a level that me and you get upset online, except he has a bigger platform. <laughs> yeah. It just like reflects so poorly on himself where I should be saying this guy can, you know, block shots like uh, Rudy Gobert and also hit like a one-legged Dirk fade away. But that's not what I think about when I think about Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, and it's... that might also be a me thing.
1: But it's also the reverse of what we just talked about. Jay-Z like Jay-Z, I'm not going to actually even attack his talent, but recent albums are formulas, and he gets big. Kevin Durant has all the talent in the world and is using it, but just because he misuses the internet, people are like, that's a little bit... He's going to be fine. He's still going to make the money. He's going to get the sponsors. But you talk about having a legacy like a, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, a LeBron James, and to even lesser extents, you know, some of those guys like Shaq who go on to be on TNT and Charles Barkley, Kevin Durant is never going to be that. He's never going to be one of those guys in the NBA that we want to just keep hearing from because we're already sick of him, and he's playing some of the best basketball anybody's ever played, ever. I mean, he's not the best. I mean, we know Steph Curry sets you know the three-point records. LeBron James is setting other records. But Kevin Durant legitimately should have had—I should have his jersey. And I had a fat head on on my wall back when I was in college, like— But I should have his jersey and be proud to be like, oh man, I got a Kevin Durant jersey. He's going to be rusher one day. I'm not that. I do not want a Kevin Durant jersey. I don't want any Kevin Durant anything because I don't want to be associated with that mega dork. And I just call it an NBA, I mean, MVP, a dork. And it's true, and anybody listening to this that disagrees with me can come catch these hands.
0: He's the flip side of, (laughs) I would say, Joel Embiid, but... The better comparison for him is probably Paul Bissonette. Are you familiar with him? Um, Maybe. The name sounds somewhat familiar. On Twitter, he's uh, BizNasty2.0. He was this, like, fourth-line winger for the Coyotes, getting sent back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. But he is just, like, charismatic and pretty funny online, and it really raised his profile and gave himself a lot of opportunities outside the game, even though he was... I mean, relatively speaking, not very good at hockey, whereas <laughs> I think Kevin Durant, he's going to sign with Nike for his, probably just about as much money as he wants. He's going to get tons of sponsorships, but he's not going to get the Hulu, like the Joel Embiid. I changed my nickname to Joel. Yeah. Hulu has Live Sports Embiid. Why'd you change your nickname? Money. Yeah. Like, those aren't going to come to him because if kevin durant said conduct- that people are like yeah. yeah fuck you kevin durant even though it's commercial because of the way he <laughs> conducts himself in the media and those stories are spread by the internet and the way he conducts himself on social media um, which is just from any angle you you look at it really lame
1: yeah i think kevin durant and i don't want to harp on him too much cuz this is not a
0: basketball podcast but this is the kevin durant barcel sports podcast
1: kevin durant Bears do um i do think he was on his path of, I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. He betrayed the Thunder, realized everybody hated him. And he's like, it's time to heel turn. I'm Miami Heat LeBron, and I'm Lakers Kobe. And he just never had the mean, mean bone in his body, and he just was always awkwardly trying to force
0: it. Even LeBron's heel turn wasn't particularly successful, I don't think. Yeah, and he, LeBron didn't he, play into it. He kind of fed off hate, but not really. And then as soon as he won the first title with the Heat, he was a good guy again. Yeah. And I think it's just that shows how like badly
1: Kevin Durant misreads this market is that LeBron is like, willing to be whoever he needed to be to like accomplish the things he wanted to accomplish where Kevin Durant's like, this is the legacy I want and this is how I'm going to build it even if it doesn't jive with anything that's going on around him.
0: But I digress. Bobby, we've been well, talking about this for a bit. I do want to connect, try to connect that back to what we were talking about. In the same way that the things that we don't like about the internet are reflections of the things we don't like about society or other people, and the things that we do like or think that we like about ourselves, I think that Kevin Durant is just a high-up example of the things that we're complaining about. He wants the media to treat his priorities in the same way that he treats his priorities, And it doesn't work, and it pisses him off, and he lashes out.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with that. And I think that still transitions well into what I was going to say. You know, we've been talking about all these different phases of the internet. And, you know, it might not surprise anybody listening. If you've been on the internet, we could talk about this for quite a while. But, you know, it all comes back to this idea to me. What is the internet supposed to be? You know, when we first started talking about this, I I had this idea. Well, I want the internet to be customizable. I wanted it to show me everything that i want to see and then i started thinking about that i'm like well that makes me very closed minded so i wanted to show me things that get me down rabbit holes and you know makes me think but that already exists on the internet it's just that's
0: twitter and youtube
1: yeah it's just that maybe i want it in a way that is more self-serving than me but at the end of the day any version of the internet will still fall to the mean because
0: it's it's already what we asked for and what we wanted. And we also want those things without um, intrusive surveillance capitalism, without the companies that give yeah. them to us. We want things. we want we want them to give predict and give things to us, but they don't we don't want them to do it with any of the information we give them. So it's just like Yeah, what, what are we actually asking for? You
1: know what, and fuck us for watching years of television with commercials and then all of a sudden this like some services are like We'll give you unlimited video content on demand, And we said, what the fuck are these ads? Like, and now people are willing to pay YouTube money to never play an ad again. And you know what? You do not need those 30 seconds. You could do so much better those $10. But if that's what you want, fine. But, like, literally, YouTube is just television. Like, after a while, it's just going to get closer and closer to television. It has. People are YouTube personalities with their own... Weekly shows. It just keeps replaying itself. Like, I don't even want to be a conspiracy theory guy because I think it's just kind of obvious. It's like, whatever we're doing in society, it's just going to happen on the internet again. Bitcoin is just the stock market crash of the 20s. And like, now there's different coins, but this has already happened a million times. It's just going to keep repeating itself. The internet is not a special portal magic. It just allows us to connect to other parts of the world and show them... This is how America's been fucking up for the past couple years. How about you guys? Like, that's really all his.
0: Yeah. The things the things that we don't like about the internet are the things that we don't like about the world.
1: Yeah, there's, it, there's,
0: no, there's no getting around that.
1: So, really. yeah. Bobby, what's the perfect internet for you? My guess would be an internet where both of us are famous. For me, it would be an internet where I'm famous and you're not because I am constantly going to try to one-up you.
0: Okay. That's fair. I don't know. The internet worked out pretty well for me. I mean, it... Got me to write an article on my favorite website. Um, I mean, I met my girlfriend on there. I met a bunch of good friends on there. And um, that I is find the, a lot of good music on there. That's the definitive ranking
1: of Bobby's life. One, ringer article. Two, girlfriend. Three, friends.
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, my perfect internet is probably a, a, a version of the internet, which is just a version of the world where I'm more successful and maybe I muted the right people and I know that I muted the right people so I got the satisfaction of doing it.
1: I um, guess my version of the internet and it's it's so elitist but just like it requires an IQ test to log in the first time, I don't know man. That's eugenics. I just, yep, sure. Whatever. I, there's my heel turn. I just, I... <laughs> Classic liberal. Or at least you have to take a test on the internet or some shit. Like, I don't that's know Jim man. That's Jim Crow. Whatever dude, I'm just sick of see people like, I saw a tweet the other day where some, like, Philadelphia sports guy was tweeting about... It was Les Bowen was tweeting, does anybody have trouble with Napster, which is a hilarious internet case study in itself. But then some dude even replied to him, showing somehow you could get even more obsolete on the internet by tweeting at Les Bowen when he's asking people about Napster, who he thinks are good running back options, and says, do you think they bring back Ajayi, but he spelled it a J. Like, that's that's mine boggling to me and makes me laugh my ass off because here's a person who's so outdated on the internet using an app that nobody realized exists anymore and here's another person who says less boeing talks football let me not read anything he just said and ask him this question wrong like
0: that's just so that's the internet the only not the only but some of the only legitimately funny things left on the internet is just failure and schadenfreude or however the fuck you say that word yeah it's just the ratio
1: like watching
0: someone get fucking ratioed into oblivion which twitter is trying to take away or you know watching um brian colangelo get brought down for the burner scandal like that is hilarious yeah
1: i mean we talked about it earlier and i still think this is the last like hilarious like legitimate irony these days are people on twitter who are like Oh, you treat Donald Trump bad because he did this thing. Well what about when Barack Obama did this thing and we all collectively go, Fuck Barack Obama Like just this this idea of these ratios and the the best tweet I've ever seen, you know, every day on Twitter there's a new main character. You know, there's one main character per day. And every once in a while we do come together as a community and just one person is so wrong. And I think that's the one part of the internet's beautiful. When we have those days where we have we have those days where like, you know, we talk about our sports friend, they just go, This is the Cliff Lee Day. Well we have those days is like, this is the Ed Balls Day, because some guy named Ed Balls tweeted out Ed Balls. This and is the
0: day Elon Musk got in got in trouble with the FEC for making the four twenty joke.
1: This is the Ike Walden Ike Walden this is the the tentacle porn screenshot day. Like those are things that we got to experience and loved and they were just so pure they weren't political necessarily, some of them, but like they were just ridiculous and they were moments that could happen in real life but we got to all see it crash and burn together and that's the true beauty of the internet. The end. No, the internet goes on forever and we're all going to die by it. So Bobby, I think that's a pretty good place to stop. What do you want to plug on the internet?
0: Um, follow me uh, at booby underscore styles. It's a Friday Night Lights reference. Would you say if
1: people follow you, everything will be all right? Would you say that you'll be the one to tuck them in at night? And if you ever leave, that you could guarantee they'd never find somebody like Booby.
0: Yes, I would say that. Uh, also, follow at classesboring um, and my blog at medium.com slash at classesboring. I just had a couple in the last couple weeks, one about how Adam from the Bible is canceled, uh, one about how the Democrats need to condemn fake friends in Congress, and I will have uh, soon another blog out uh, about basketball that the basketball editor at The Ringer uh, responded to by saying, quote, we are not taking freelance pitches anymore. Thanks, man.
1: (laughs) Great. That sounds real (laughs) shitty. Anyway... (laughs) Um, if you want to follow any of my accounts, just listen to one of the old episodes where I already pawned them off. But, uh, please follow me on twitch.tv slash coderan. I'm trying to make money off of playing video games, which is my original dream as a kid when I was, like, three or four. Um, but also marrying my dream of doing comedy when I was three or four. So, um, come watch me make dick jokes while I play, uh, FIFA. Um, you've been listening to Erotica. We're really happy to have you. Um, just remember, if you're on the internet, this is the only place that you need to be. Just come back here. This is where all the good stuff is.
0: All the else is toxic, bad. Stay away. Come here. Come back. Yeah, make my uh, Twitter account your homepage. I'm yeah,
1: right. honestly. And um, make my account uh, the place you go after you buy something on the internet um, every single time. That way, when you have that uh, buyer's remorse, you can feel better knowing that there's someone out in the world dumber than you, um, a.k.a. me. Uh, Thank you, Lysala, Neurotica. I've been Cody Ryan, followed by...
0: I've been Bobby. Have a good day, guys. Bye.